What's going on, everybody? You are listening to Trail Tales. My name is Kyle O'Grady. I am a thru-hiker. I am a peak bagger. I am a huge hiking nerd. And every single week on this show, I chat with another thru-hiker, another peak bagger, and another hiking nerd about their experiences on the trail. And folks, this is a big episode. If you listen to this show on the regular, there is about a 99.99% chance that you know who this week's guest is. I ran the numbers, I promise. Juliana Chauncey, she is the co-host of Backpacker Radio, also a super accomplished thru-hiker. She's done the AT, she's done the PCT, and not only has she done all that stuff, but she is also a soon-to-be author. Her book, Hiking from Home, a long-distance hiking guide for family and friends is coming out in just a few weeks, and that is what we talk about for most of this episode. We get into what the book is all about. We talk about why she wrote it in the first place. We talk about her inspiration behind the idea, and I gotta say, if you are going to be doing a long-distance hike in the future, this book is going to be a must read for your friends and family back home so it was honestly so cool to talk about it it was so cool to talk to chance i mean come on she's kind of a legend backpacker radio is like probably the biggest hiking podcast out there right now so it was just so awesome and i'm so thankful she was down to come on the show her her first podcast by the way besides backpacker radio obviously so yeah chance when you hear this thank you so so much i'm so excited for you i'm so excited to see the reaction to this book And please, let's uh, do it again soon. I have a feeling that this episode is going to have quite a few first-time listeners, so if this is your first time tuning into Trail Tales, I have some good news for you. There are 64 previous episodes that you can go check out now. I've talked to tons of Appalachian Trail thru-hikers. I've talked to quite a few PCT thru-hikers as well. I've talked to folks that have done the CDT and a bunch of other smaller trails that you might not have heard of as well and honestly that's just the tip of the iceberg we have a ton of fun around here and like i said we post every single week i don't know why i'm saying we it's it's me but yeah every single (laughs) every single week every single wednesday morning there will be a new episode of trail tales for you to listen to so yeah check out some old ones and subscribe if you like what you hear be sure to check out trail tales on instagram at trail tales pod and check out the website trailtailspod.com that's a good place to go if you want to hear more episodes and of course i gotta plug my youtube channel i've been having so much fun on youtube lately and folks seem to be taking to it so kyle hates hiking on youtube i will have a link to that in the show notes as usual and with that said folks i think we're gonna keep this intro short and let's get into the episode my conversation with juliana chauncey This is going to be a long list here, but co-host of Backpacker Radio, PCT Class of 2017, Appalachian Trail Class of 2019, and author of Hiking From Home. Juliana Chauncey, what's going on? Hi, how's it going? This is uh, really, really cool. This is like... I don't know. I've had a couple other like podcasters on the show before, but um, I feel like Backpacker Radio is at like the top of the game. So this is uh, I'm very excited to do this. I, oh, I'm super nice. thankful for uh, for you taking the time today. And obviously, uh, you've done a ton of stuff on the trail and have this book coming out soon. So we are going to have plenty to talk about. So why don't we just uh, start? I'm sure most people listening probably know who you are already and probably know what you've done. But just for those who might not, why don't you go ahead and just kind of introduce yourself and tell everybody what you've hiked. Okay. Uh, yeah, my name's Juliana Chauncey. My trail name is Chance. Not very creative, but <laughs> um, I hiked the Pacific Crest Trail in 2017 and did, didn't do the Sierra portion of it because of the snowpack. Wanted to go back to it in 2018, um, so I started doing the Colorado Trail on weekends to prepare for that. Um, so I got through almost all of the Colorado Trail on weekends in 2018 while I was working. And the day before my flight to the Sierra was supposed to leave, uh, that big section for forest fires closed. So I ended up having to cancel the trip. Um, 
2019 ended up doing the Appalachian Trail and came back and did another stretch of the Colorado Trail just, you know, to continue the section hike of that. And then in the fall, I did the Trans-Catalina Trail. And so far, nothing concrete planned for this summer. I'm going to try to take a few weeks off in August again to attempt the Sierra. Mm-hmm permitting that the fires don't happen again. But I've got a buddy from the AT here who's going to try to do that with me. Nice. Um, so, yeah. So, that's the upcoming lack of plans for the year. But if I can get there, that's exciting. Hopefully, hopefully you won't have any more bad luck in, in terms of that. It's like I'm, I'm East Coast, like, pretty much all the way. So, forest fires are like a foreign concept. I mean, I, I guess the South does get fires sometimes. But uh, certainly up where I live in the Northeast like that, I mean, I'm sure it's happened at some point. But for the most part... Don't have to worry about that, so that would be pretty frustrating. Um, I don't know. We're, we're going to talk about the book and stuff in just a second, but I've always wondered for folks who were on the PCT or even the CDT that had to skip sections because of things like completely out of their control, like forest fires, like I, I've always just wondered what that's like. I mean, obviously, you don't want to do it, but was it just like a... I don't know. <laughs> Can you just talk about that a little bit? Because I was like, yeah, I don't like to call myself a purist because that like has like a bad vibe attached to it. But like, I was very much like in the camp of wanting to hit every single mile on the AT. So I feel like that would have frustrated me a lot, you know? Well, it's funny thinking about it after doing the AT because I think if I did the PCT as my second hike, I would have been a lot more hard headed about flipping past the Sierra. I mean, in retrospect, I still think it was the right choice, and I still probably would have made the same. But the thing about it you know, after I skipped was that our group ended up being just ahead of the forest fires because we got there early. Um, So when we got to Etna, we started seeing most of, or we started seeing the smoke columns from Mm -hmm. fires that were forming. And we got to Siad Valley, the next town, we started hearing about closures behind us. Uh, And once that happened, we, our original plan was to go back to the Sierra when we got to the end of California. Mm-hmm. So the plan was to finish California, go back down to the Sierra, and then once the state of California is done, keep going north. And once the forest fires started closing things, you just it changes any plans you might have had for yourself. So we knew that things behind us were closing, and it was the decision of if we risk going down there, we might not be able to come back up here. Right. And so what we just did was we just, you know, you start hiking and you can't really afford to take breaks or take days off the way you could in the rest of the hike. So we were always a day or two ahead of the closures. And what that meant was, you know, we didn't take a single zero day in Oregon or Washington, apart from going down to trail days for a weekend. Um, And then we took one zero day in Washington because two of the guys in our group had a birthday on the same day. (laughs) But other than that, it was 26 to 28 miles a day and get in and out of town and no zero days anymore because if we if we slowed down even a bit the fires could have caught up and it could have messed up everything that we were doing so it was just our hike was just speed and it was trying to stay ahead of something we couldn't control that's got to be so frustrating like <laughs> i don't even know like feeling like you're being chased by the fires almost uh that's yeah. that's tough but i mean that's just kind of how it is out there i think i might have asked a pct hiker this a long time ago on this show but is it like pretty uncommon or at least difficult to get like a like full on PCT through hiker? Or what I mean by that is just like hit every single mile basically because of things like the snow in the Sierra and, you know, the fires and, and various things like that. It just like, depends on the year. It, it really depends on the year and what the snowpack is like and what hand you're dealt with the forest fires. Mm-hmm. Um, because in 2018, it, you know, didn't snow nearly as much. And so a lot more people were able to make it through the Sierra because they didn't have to, you know, have that concern about either the ascents or the river crossings the way that, you know, they did in 2017. Mm -hmm. And when there's not fire closures happening and you're not having to deal with workarounds and, you know, finding the budget to get from one part of the trail to another, um, it just changes the hike. So it's hard to say um, because it really just depends on the year and the type of hiker. Yeah. Yeah, it's always like a little bit, <laughs> a little bit stressful for for me to hear people say that because like I'm, I'm looking at doing either the PCT or the CDT, you know, within the next couple of years I'll say, 
And again, like I'm very much like trying to hit every single mile if I can, but I know that's just like the way it goes out there. So you got to be a little bit more flexible with that stuff. Um, if you, if you get a bad year, like you just said, so we'll see, we'll see what happens. But anyways, let's, uh, let's kind of jump into this book. So you're writing or you wrote, is it, is it done now? I know you got the pre-orders out and stuff. I wasn't sure if like you were still finishing up because I know it's, it's being released in just a couple weeks, right? Yeah, so it's released, um, and now it's less than a month that it's going to be officially on sale. Mm-hmm. Um, but I put it on pre-sale, I think, a week or two ago, because I had gotten to the point where I made the first prints of it. Um, and so all I did then was I read through the printed version and just marked up things that didn't look right in the text when I was holding it. Um, and I uploaded those changes, and now the first first box or two is in the mail now coming to me so i'm That's, super excited about that that is so awesome are you like nervous at all too like I'm, i mean i'm sure you did a great job obviously i'm sure you're proud of it but like are you is there at least like a little bit of nerves there or like what are you feeling you know no like yeah knowing this is about yeah. to uh, be released to the world um i'm less nervous now than i was before christmas so like my whole goal was to have it done by christmas um, so I knew I was going to write this when I started hiking the AT cause it was just an idea I had over last winter. Mm-hmm. And so I, me and the guy I was hiking with would just talk about it, you know, and brainstorm like different things that would be useful to put in the book, um, different topics that could be handy. Right. I was posting a lot of stories with like polls and things like that. Uh, and then, so when I got back from the trail, um, one of the things was I was just planning on living in my car until the weather got cold and I had to start paying for rent. Um, and with that, since I wasn't really spending money, um, I didn't get a job right away because I, you know, I still had a little bit saved up that I could use. And so I would just spend every day going to Starbucks, um, and just writing until they closed. And then I would sleep in my car in the parking lot and then go back in the next morning. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so I wrote it pretty quickly. I got done with the actual, like, writing of the book by November. And then... I went back to start editing through and cleaning it up. Um, And the goal was to have it done by Christmas. And it was a few weeks before Christmas. And I was just super worried about it. Like I had gone through two different phases where I wanted to throw it out and just stop. Mm -hmm. um, Just because you get self-conscious about it. Yeah. And um, I just decided to have a set of beta readers read it. So I put out a call out that asked for... Uh, I wanted different categories. I wanted aspiring hikers. I wanted past hikers. I wanted parents of aspiring hikers. And I wanted significant others of aspiring hikers. Um, And significant others of past hikers. Those are my five categories. Yeah. And I chose three to five people in each category. Sent them a copy of it, what I considered done at the time. And just said, tear it to pieces. Like, read through it. Point out anything you liked if you feel like it, but, you know, tell me the parts that you get bored. Tell me the things that you think should be different. Tell me where you get, like, confused or if you want something clarified. And so I had, like, 15 to 20 different people email me back pages and pages of feedback, and it was super helpful. So I just went back through at Christmas um, in January, and I, I rearranged a lot of stuff. I cut a bunch. I added different things and when I reread it after that it just seemed so much better than what I was going to put out in December Mm -hmm. um and then I had like 15 to 20 people behind me saying hey we read this and like we don't think it's the biggest pile of garbage in the universe (laughs) so that kind of calmed that nerve a bit yeah definitely I can see how that could be helpful first of all the feedback and and second of all, just having like some people reassure you that like it's actually good, and and I can't relate quite on the same level, but just like uh, just for instance, when I put my first like YouTube video out a couple months ago, I thought it was like so bad. I like pri- I like made it private and sent it to a couple of my friends who like watch hiking YouTube videos and stuff. And once they were like, Kyle, this isn't like that bad. Like you should just upload it. Like quit fucking bitching. And then I was like, okay, you know what. I'll I'll yeah. just do it. So I I, I kind of know what you're saying there. Um, I I don't think uh I don't think I asked you yet. What's like what's the book actually about? I mean I know, but like for everybody listening, like yeah, why don't course. you just give like the uh the description, like the the brief overview of what the book's about, and then we can kind of dive in a little bit more because I have a lot of questions about it. Yep. So it's called Hiking from Home, a long distance hiking guide for family and friends. Um, and basically, what I kind of my go to thing that I say about it, which I feel I say every time, is that. 
I kind of started noticing the more involved I was in the hiking world that, you know, like Zach's Appalachian Trials book, um, you know, there's a bunch of books that are either not like that, but, you know, they're written for the hiker. They're guides to hiking written for the hiker or their books on through hiking written from the hiker's perspective um, that other hikers are buying and reading to prepare for their hikes. And that's great because it's helping people understand, you know, what they need to do to be successful on a long distance hike and, you know, how to prepare themselves physically and mentally to do that and to take on something like a through hike or a section hike. But then what I noticed, especially like going to trail days on the Appalachian Trail and talking to everyone that was coming to the trek tent and just meeting a lot of the family and friends of hikers um, between trail days and this one talk I did in Pennsylvania when I was hiking was that a lot of people who are the parents and the family members and the friends and the significant others of hikers really wanted to understand what long distance hiking was like. Mm -hmm. And part of the main fears and concerns they were having for their hikers was that was something that stemmed from them just not understanding how through hiking works. Like they don't understand how a person can get from Mexico to Canada, how they feed themselves the whole way. How do they get water? How do they know where to go? How don't they get eaten by a bear? Like all types of concerns (laughs) that are just because you don't really understand what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I found that these people were turning to books that were written for the through hiker, for the long distance hiker to try to get some sort of understanding for what it was like but that those books don't necessarily answer all of their questions or they talk to them assuming that they're at a a certain level of understanding about long distance hiking Um, or it leaves out super obvious facts that, you know, we just take for granted that we know because, you know, we have experience hiking and backpacking. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wanted to write something that would explain long distance hiking to the people at home in a way that went through the details that they need to know, but doesn't get into the nitty gritty that the hiker would only need to know. Right, right. Um, and that answers most of their questions and concerns just through facts, through examples, through stories from past hikers, um, just to kind of arm them with knowledge when it comes to their concerns. Right, which I think is is so awesome. And I'm, I'm honestly like very curious about the inspiration for the idea. So when I was kind of coming up with these questions earlier, I was initially thinking, okay, maybe this was um, was something that kind of stemmed off of her experience communicating with friends and family back home, you know, during her through hike, or maybe it was kind of, I think what you alluded to a second ago, um, just understanding other hikers, I guess. Yeah. Like you said about the, uh, the trek tent at trail days and stuff. Um, Cause obviously you're very involved in this community and you, you interact with folks a lot. So yeah. Would you say that the inspiration for the idea was more based off of your personal experiences or just experiences that you kind of saw unfolding around you from various hikers? I think it was a bit of both. Um, So part of it is like, obviously, the more involved I've become in the community. I mean, I get messages on Instagram or, you know, on YouTube or Facebook where people are asking questions. And I notice that a lot of the questions are the same. And, you know, I I remember thinking one time, I wish there was like autofill responses (laughs) in like Instagram things so that if I type out like a well thought response to a question, I could just send that back to the next five that are the same question. Like things like, you know, what, what about the bears? Like, how do you guys get food? Like, are you going to bring a gun? Like different kinds of questions (laughs) like that, that I feel like everyone asks. So like, you know, you can write out an answer and send it to multiple people. Um, But also just how other people's parents and people at home responded to them hiking compared to how my parents do. Because when I told my parents I was doing the PCT, I was kind of nervous to tell them. I didn't know how they'd respond. I had gone backpacking a lot, like in the like hostel hopping sense in Europe and Thailand Mm -hmm. in college, not like in a hiking way. Yeah. But so they were kind of used to me traveling and going on last minute trips. So I didn't think they would mind that much, but I thought that they would obviously be shocked. So I had sent them like a wall map, a National Geographic wall map before the PCT. I told them to both be in the same room when they opened it. I Skyped them, was ready for them to open it. And they were like, what is this? And I was like, well, read it. And they're like, it says the Pacific Crest Trail. I was like, yeah. And my mom was like, oh, is that that one you did last year? And I was like, no, mom, I've never done something like this. And my dad was like, oh, okay, so you're going to, what, you're going to walk it? And I was like, yeah. He's like, okay, cool. 
and went back to watch the Syracuse game. <laughs> and so it was like, okay, cool. Like you guys are not phased by this at all. Which is awesome. Um, which is awesome. My mom was concerned about if I was going to go alone, but then my friend decided to start the PCT with me. So she was just cool the whole way because I was going to blog about it and realized I didn't want to type on my phone at camp every night. So I started posting the YouTube videos and as long as she could see me once a week and like see that I was actually alive, she just did not care. Mm. <laughs> um, and so that was great because I never had to deal with any of that like back and forth, like calming down family. But then I would talk to other people on the trail who were like, wow, it was so hard to get my parents behind this. Or like they still, you know, are like this. And it was just like, wow, I'm so fortunate that my family is just so chill about this. Yeah. You know, is it because they have the podcast to listen to? Is it because they have the YouTube videos to watch? Is it because they have all of these details about it that remove the mystery that they're so calm when other people's parents aren't? Mm -hmm. um, so it all kind of played into it. Yeah, definitely. I, I was in the same boat, honestly, with my parents being like super understanding and supportive. I had done like a decent amount of backpacking and a shorter through hike before I set out to do the AT, but I mean... They were both like awesome from day one. So mom, you're going to hear this. I know. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> it is kind of interesting that despite like your, like, um, I, I guess I'll say like really positive experience uh, in communication with your parents that you were still like set on this idea, I guess. So let's, let's talk like timeline. I know you said that when you were actually on the AT you already had the idea in your head, but it also sounds like you were still kind of like flushing it out a little bit based off of the comments you made about trail days and your talk in uh, Pennsylvania or wherever it was. So yeah, when did you like concretely like decide like, okay, this is the idea I'm going to like write about, like I am doing this. I knew before I started the AT because I had, once I had realized that that would be something that could be useful, it kind of blew my mind that it didn't already exist. Yeah. And once I thought about that, it was like, well, there's, it's only a matter of time until it does. Like someone else is going to realize this too and realize how silly it is that something like this isn't available. And so I figured, you know, I like writing. I enjoy writing. That's something that I would enjoy writing. And so when I went on the AT, I was kind of in the mindset of, you know, I'm not going to want to use my free time to write. I already know that from the PCT, mm -hmm. but I can use the time I have to brainstorm and to think about what I would like to write about so that when I come home, my thoughts are more organized. Mm -hmm. um, so that's when, you know, while we'd hike, we'd talk about, oh, like, what about this topic? Like, yeah, you've definitely got to put in, are you carrying a gun as a question? Like, <laughs> okay, well, what parts of that? And like, we'd go back and forth and talk about like why those are concerns and all that stuff. So I had by the time I was done with the AT, a little notebook that had a bunch of different common questions and concerns. And then mm -hmm. from the polls I would post in my stories, I would take the responses, I'd get to those. And then I'd have little subcategories under each one talking about the topics that I would want to go into. And so by the time I got home, when I was going to the coffee shops, it was just like writing a research paper where you have the outline kind of set out. And now you need to just find the substance for each topic. Right. Right. Um, so it made it really easy because I had already spent so much time putting thought into it and laying it out. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's really smart, obviously, that you're using your, your social media reach to kind of uh, gather this information. I'm just curious, were you, because obviously it's different in person, were you ever asking hikers while you were actually on trail any of the same questions while you were trying to kind of gather oh, yeah. research and, and think about these things to write about? Yeah, so the the people I was hiking with knew I wanted to write this. And so I would bring up topics with them and they would be like, oh, you should put this in there. Oh, you should talk about this part. Um, and so they were always weighing in on different topics because they'd see me writing my notebook and they'd say, what are you writing about? And it would be like, oh, I'm you know, trying to think about this. Mm -hmm. And they'd join the conversation. Uh, but then also when I got home from the trail, I did a lot of phone interviews with different hikers and aspiring hikers and family members. And so I called a few of the people that I had been on the trail with. And it was like, oh, remember when we were talking about this part? Like, can you tell me those stories again? Because I'm going to want to include them as quotes. Mm -hmm. And so now there's quotes throughout the book from different perspectives. But it's like stuff that we had already been talking about on the trail. Right, right. Which is, which is super awesome. Let me ask you this. So straying a little bit, but I'm just curious, like, how much attention was this receiving while you were through hiking? So I'm just kind of curious to know 
what impact this had like on your actual through hike right because obviously oh. there's a lot of time to think and i don't know if this is just like kind of something in the back of your mind every now and then you jot down some ideas or is this like thinking about it like constantly like like had a huge impact on your hike kind of deal i guess if that makes sense yeah no it didn't have too big of an impact on my hike it was just like it was like a task that i just wanted to like touch on like something in my phone that i wanted to like get to if mm-hmm. i had free time that i didn't know what to do with instead of just like twiddling my thumbs but i wasn't very open about it to a lot of people because i i mean it was still a thought i still didn't know how long it would take to write i still didn't know if it would turn out good Um, so I didn't really go around like asking people that I didn't know very well, any of these questions, but once you start camping with people consistently, you know, they see you in your free time and they start asking questions. And so, I mean, I would say my core group that I hiked with knew about it, but that was probably it. Right. It was like, you guys are the ones I'm comfortable talking about this too, this early. Um, it's, it's kind of interesting. I've talked about this a couple other times in, in other episodes, but how, doing a long distance hike like that kind of gets the like creative juices flowing. So for instance, I got the inspiration for this podcast while I was on trail, like fairly early on. And it was kind of just in the back of my head for most of my hike. And then it really wasn't a toward, it really wasn't until the end of the hike that I kind of started to tell the people I was hiking with, like, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this podcast. And they were like, yeah, whatever, Kyle, like, <laughs> sure. I'll, I'll be a guest or whatever. Um, they didn't really take it that seriously. Jokes on them. But I don't know, do you do you think that the book would have came out the way it did? This is an awkward way to phrase this. If you hadn't done the through hike, so it sounds like you, you still knew that you wanted to do this. But I again, I'm just kind of trying to, to get at like the the influence the AT had on the book, um, I guess. No, you, I don't think it would be the same because I think it's very hard to find in the real world the amount of time to like really think about something and dive into all the different Mm -hmm. aspects of it that's uninterrupted where you don't have distractions as you do when you're hiking a trail. Because I mean, there'd be times where I'd have my headphones in walking by myself where I could, I could think about a topic that I was interested in and then I could go to, I could have conversations with myself about it. I could think about, Oh, what about this part? Oh no. Like I'd get down that path and not like it and then go down a different thought path in my mind. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if I'm sitting in my room at home, like I could do that for maybe 20 minutes before I want to go talk to someone in the living room. Right. You know, you just don't have the amount of time to dedicate to it unless you're forced to spend that time mm-hmm. not doing anything regardless apart from walking. Yeah. Honestly, I wonder if, uh, if Zach had the same experience writing his book, I'd like to have him on the on the show at some point as well. So yeah. if you want to throw in a good word for me, but uh, <laughs> yeah, he's in Mexico now. Was Is he, he really? There? Oh yeah, damn! He's just having a time of his life. Damn, that's crazy. Because <laughs> um, I want to talk to him about the long trail too. Because I I live up here and I know he just hiked it. We had kind of messaged a little bit about that. But anyways, so Chance, what would you say are some of the biggest challenges that through hikers face like in communicating with their friends and family back home? Yeah. While they're, while they're through hiking, I guess. Cause that's, I feel like that's kind of a, a big part of this. Like that's a, a big question and uh, that's something that I think is worth talking about. So yeah. What do you, what do you think? Yeah. I think one of the challenges is there's usually, there can be a difference in expectations Like if you're talking about, you know, someone and their significant other at home, the person at home can't understand what it's like on the trail. And Mm -hmm. so it's hard for them to understand when a call comes in late or it doesn't come at all. Or if someone calls and they're distracted because they're in town with other people, it's Mm -hmm. hard for them to understand and see that from the hiker's side. Whereas, you know, on the hiker's end, so much is going on on the trail. There's barely any downtime it might not be on the forefront of their mind to be calling all the time and they might not necessarily want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just, you know, understanding what the trail is like and why there might be a lack of communication when mm-hmm. in the real world there might not be. Um, and I think for the hiker, you know, just understanding what the person at home needs from them and how often they need to receive that communication to remain okay with everything and abiding by that to the best that they can, even with, all the, you know, hurdles that the trail throws at you. Mm-hmm. Does the book touch at all on explaining why people want to through hike in the first place? Because obviously, there's, yeah. you know, on on 
on one side, like there's the communication while they're actually on trail and, and, and trying to understand that and be supportive in that. But there's also like the whole question of people not understanding why their loved ones want to even leave for five, six months, whatever it is, and, and do this, you know? Yeah. So that was one of the good things about interviewing people for the book was that I never just wanted to give my opinion on something and just say that that was like the word on it. Right. Um, so I like to include a bunch of different opinions on topics. So in the beginning of the book, when I go into why people take on long distance hikes, there's a bunch of different quotes from people with their reasonings. And some of it is, you know, someone who's in college and saying that, you know, she doesn't know what path she wants to take after college. One of it's a person who's, you know, has a family and he just needs to reset because he's been devoting his entire life to his family and his kids and needs to reconnect with himself. Um, someone who suffers from PTSD and depression. There's just so many reasons that people do this that my opinion alone might not apply to everyone. Right. Whereas if you can get a lot of different perspectives on these topics, that it's easier for someone to at least connect with one of them and say, okay, well, I can understand that. Yeah, which, which I think um, is really awesome because obviously there's like different kinds of relationships people are going to have with, with the hiker, right? Of course, a, a like a, a parental relationship is going to be different than a like romantic, like a significant other kind of relationship. So, so I think it's good, you know, coming from someone who's, who's a through hiker and who's kind of dealt with some of this stuff that you were able to kind of represent, you know, a more broad spectrum rather than just like, you know, this is like how to communicate with somebody that's through hiking or, or something like that. Actually kind of on that note, this just popped into my head, into my head. How much of the book is like, um, dealing with communication while on trail versus information to help the loved ones just kind of understand the through hike things like the gun question and the bear question and and things like that. Yeah, so the the book's broken down into six sections. Um, and so the beginning of the book, the first three sections are kind of understanding hiking. So mm-hmm. it starts with the basics, um, understanding why people do it, the benefits. Um, I go into a lot, I did a lot of research for the book, so I, I wanted to be able to back it up with fact too. Right. So it goes into kind of the amount of time that people spend outdoors these days and what that does to us and how that affects us like physically, emotionally, mentally. Um, and how that is compared to how things used to be before we had all kinds of, you know, scrolling social media and our faces connected to a screen. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes into the logistics after that in section two of what gear people carry, how they get food and water, how they know where to sleep, Damn. You know, navigation, that's so that awesome. sort of thing. Yeah. That's like, and then that's, that's gotta be so helpful. Like, of course my, my parents like understood a lot of this stuff beforehand, but again, just like relating back to other people I was hiking with and their experience, like with their parents and significant others and stuff like that, that's just so, so helpful. Like I'm excited. Yeah. This, this is, this is an, this is an awesome idea, Chance. Yeah. I hope it helps people. Um, but yeah, so after the logistics, like now that you understand what it is and why people do it, then it touches on safety. So section three is the safety question. So if you're going alone, you know, the debate on carrying protection, wildlife, hitchhiking, environmental hazards. Um, I went into like some of the common il- injuries and illnesses that hikers get along with ways to prevent and treat them. Mm-hmm. So that if anyone's at home and, you know, their hiker calls and they're like, oh, my foot really hurts. Like I've tried this and this, like, but I keep having this pain here. You know, they have the knowledge to be able to say, oh, that sounds like this. This is what you should do to treat it. So they feel useful in their hikers yeah. hike because they can be that resource for them. See that's um, I'm I'm glad you just said that too because just from my own experience I feel like involving the loved ones back home in the through hike some sort of way whether that be just something as small as them like relaying some information or sending you a some gear or something like that it is like so so important in getting mm-hmm. like their support so I'm glad yeah. you kind of just uh, mentioned that thing about like the uh, the injury there because uh, yeah having them involved like that is is just so so important in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's important for the hiker's morale and it's also important for the person at home to feel like, you know, they're not just forgotten about and mm-hmm. that they can play even just a small part in helping you and that they're still needed. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, so after the safety, it goes into staying in touch. Um, so I talk about ways to communicate, the different ways to communicate. Um, I touch on the four main satellite communication devices people are using and go through the pros and cons of each. Because that's usually a gift that a family member gets a hiker. Not mm-hmm. always, but a lot of times when I've asked people, 
It's because the family member wants them to be carrying it. So I gave him some more knowledge on that. Um, planning a visit, designating your at-home coordinator, and then like what to con- who to contact if something goes wrong. Um, and then from staying in touch, I touch on the next section is support. So I go into ways to support the hiker before the hike, ways to support the hiker during the hike, um, talk about homesickness and wanting to quit and how to respond if a hike does end early. Um, I explain post-trail depression, what recovery time and expectations might be like after a hike, uh, and just ways that a person can be supportive to a hiker no matter what phase of the journey it's in. And then the last section is just, you know, it's mainly geared towards significant others because obviously they're going to need a bit more than anyone else. So it's just, you know, about setting expectations, how to grow with your hiker, what to do when communication is lacking, how to handle arguments. Mm Mm-hmm. Things like that. Do you do you touch on like significant others, or I guess it doesn't even have to be them. Just anybody, loved ones, actually visiting the hiker while they're like in the midst of their through hike at all. Yep, there's a whole chapter on planning a visit, um, and it kind of goes into you know the different types of you know it's easier at the beginning of a hike because you're all at the same pace. Um, it's easy to pick a time or pick a place, but it's going to be really hard to pick a time and a place beforehand Mm -hmm. just because of how hard it is to coordinate where you're going to be on trail. Yep. Um, you know, how some people might be eager to have visitors hike with them, how maybe it might be best for you to meet them at camp at night and just, you know, maybe cook them a dinner or something and spend the time with them not actually hiking if you're not going to be able to keep up, um, or how sometimes hikers just want it to be their own thing. And just explaining kind of the logic between whatever way your hiker is acting towards you wanting to plan a visit. Right, right. I know for me, I love to visit friends and, and family members while I was through hiking, but I, I not that I, I didn't get that many freaking offers of, of people wanting to hike with me, but the couple times that it did happen, I was always like, uh, that's probably not the best idea. And I think it's good you talk about that stuff because for people who are not through hiking it can be a little bit difficult to understand why that's not necessarily the best idea or at least the most convenient thing for the person who's actually through hiking so i think that's a i i think that's 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 really good and i i, I gotta ask you about um the 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 thing you said a few minutes ago about like hit, covering hitchhiking illness and hazards just like the general like kind of bad stuff about a through hike um, mm-hmm. in the book, because obviously this is a book designed to help folks who do not really understand through hiking that much, um, be supportive of their loved one while they're hiking. So it would be real easy for you to just kind of gloss over the bad stuff, right? Like you don't want to like put anybody off and it sounds like you did not do that. You were like keeping this shit real. So I'm just kind of curious, how did you approach the more like uh, touchy subjects, like the hitchhiking illness, uh, dangers things like that i mean i think the thing is like i don't want to mislead the people at home either like i don't want to write a book that tells them hey everything's going to be fine and then something happens and it's not fine and then it's like well you said it was rainbows you know yeah like, right I'm not but i feel like that's a that's, a that's a like a fine line to walk right between yeah. being real and not misleading people and also not like mm-hmm. painting the through hike in a bad light you know Yeah, I think the main thing I try to get across in each section is that, you know, these like bad things can happen at any phase of life. You know, it's not just on trail, but things can go wrong anywhere. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you're prepared for the situations you might encounter, then the odds of you walking away with a good story rather than something scary happening is a lot higher. You know, and I go into it with the wildlife encounters where, you know, how can you be okay with your loved one possibly encountering a bear in the woods if you have no idea what to do when you encounter a bear in the woods? Obviously, that's going to be scary. Mm-hmm. So it walks them through like, hey, if you see a black bear, this is how a hiker is supposed to respond. And then it, you know, quotes from people being like, yeah, you know, I waved my arms in the air and the bear just ran away. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's saying, you know, yeah, if you're going in there and you're being stupid, something could happen. But as long as your hiker is, you know, being aware and responsible and knows how to react in certain certain situations, they can kind of gauge if they're putting themselves in a dangerous situation or not. Right. And as long as they have the ability to assess themselves and their skill levels and the situations they're going into, you know, accurately and well, then you should be able to trust that they're not going to get in over their heads. Right. Um, and so I touch on that, like in environmental hazards, I talk about snowpack and I talk about river crossings. And I, I mean, I even say 
during my year, two girls died in the river crossings. But then I go into, you know, the main thing to remember is I chose to flip around. Many people chose to Mm -hmm. flip around. I knew that my skill level wasn't there, so I didn't put myself into that dangerous situation. And your hiker is going to have the same thing where they're going to get to a point and they're going to say, do I have the skills to go forward and reassess their, you know, abilities and say, no, I need to practice self-arresting more. Okay, I'm going to do that. Or no, I'm more comfortable flipping. But I feel like some parents don't even know that flipping exists or that it's okay or that people can do it. And so they think that, you know, they're going to get there and they're going to have to get over that mountain. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, I don't know. They just have to do it. And the answer is you don't always have to do something. Right, um, right. So just kind of teaching them about what each thing is, um, how to approach it safely, and that their hiker always has a choice. Um, I think that usually helps. Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, you wouldn't be doing anybody any favors at all by kind of glossing over that stuff and just... Right. Um, how about hitchhiking? So I the reason I'm asking about this is because I made a YouTube video about this not very long ago, so it's kind of just fresh on my mind. I feel like, and eh, maybe, maybe not, but at least for me, I feel like it would be easier to kind of calm someone's nerves about like a bear encounter for instance than it would be about like hitchhiking because hitchhiking is just like it's just fucking drilled into people that it's like super dangerous and that it should like never happen and all this stuff and in my opinion it's not nearly as dangerous as anybody or as everybody seems to think it is but i don't know Mm -hmm. like how did you approach that topic specifically in the book like what do you you know you don't have to give away every single thing right now obviously but i'm just kind of curious to to hear like the rundown on that subject Yeah, so I kind of just went into, you know, why people do it. So hitchhiking, like, it's often the most convenient way for us to get to town. Mm -hmm. You know, if we don't hitchhike, sometimes it could be a full day of a road walk just to get to town from the trail. And that's a full day where you don't know the water sources. You could be walking on dangerous highways. You know, it's not always the safest option to just not hitchhike. Public transportation Mm -hmm. isn't really an easy thing. Um, But then explaining that, you know, out of all the times I've hitchhiked, I only hitchhiked by myself one time, and that was by choice. Mm-hmm. And the idea that, you know, your hiker never has to actually take one of these rides on their own. They have people around them that they can choose to go with if they want to, usually, unless they're on, like, the Continental Divide Trail solo, which probably wouldn't be a person's first hike. Yeah, so um, they, they'd probably be down with solo hitchhiking at that point. Right, so they'll have someone with them, and they can assess situations, and it even goes into, you know... If you're uncomfortable accepting a ride, there's a million things you could say to not accept that ride. Mm -hmm. You could say that you're still waiting on your friend who hasn't turned up yet, and you're going to have to wait for the next ride. Oh, is this, you know, this road to this town? No, it's not. Oh, I must be at the wrong place. Sorry. Um, Or, oh, I just realized I left my water filter back at that stream. I've got to go back and grab it. Like, you're never forced into one of these situations. But also that, you know, who is it that picks us up? It's usually people that live in towns that know the trail is there, that wait, you know, for summer to come because they like helping hikers. It's not usually some random guy you'd find on a highway exactly. in the middle of Kansas. That's exactly. not the same people. Um, and just explaining, you know, the type of people that pick you up, the type of scenarios that happen, you know, just all of that with quotes throughout from different people saying their experiences that reinforce that that is the case is just, Mm. you know, I think that helps. And then, you know, always the idea of no one is forcing your hiker into a car. Right. Right. You know, like that's not, they don't have to accept that ride. If someone shows up to pick them up and they're drunk, you don't have to accept the ride. Of course. Of course. You just Um, gotta do a, do a look over before. And, and, and what you just said there about, uh, the, the type of people who pick up hitchhikers, um, it, or pick up hikers, I, I, I will say, that is like super important in my opinion. That was like the kind of the point I was trying to drive home in the video I made. It's like you're not gonna. It, it's sure you you could and still will potentially get picked up by like quote randos, but the vast majority of the time you're gonna be getting picked up by people who know what you're doing, people who don't pick up like hitchhikers under normal circumstances, and that just greatly increases your chance of getting a safer ride so i'm i'm glad you like mentioned that in the book i think that's super important because you know i've I've had to kind of explain this stuff to quite a few people over the years and i don't know it just kind of gets me (laughs) 
Yeah, that even with hitchhiking, like trust is needed on both sides. Like we're not necessarily the picture perfect image yeah. of someone you'd want to pick up. Like we look like trash. We are covered in dirt or our hair is a mess. Like we don't necessarily look that appealing. Mm -hmm. So there's got to be a certain level of trust on their end to let us even into their cars. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's like when you're both in that situation where you just have to like trust each other and like trust your instincts, it's a bit different. Yeah. Definitely. Um, how about, so you mentioned there's a, a whole section on significant others and that kind of mm -hmm. relationship, you know, which <laughs> is kind of a weird way of saying that, but I'm, I'm just kind of curious what you talk about there because there, I mean, I, I kind of mentioned this a few minutes ago, but obviously there's like so many different types of relationships hikers are going to have and, and different people they're going to be communicating with. So what about like that type of relationship specifically warranted having its own section in the book, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like a lot of the people that have, that are at home that could do with reading something like this are often the significant others. And I say that instead of partner or boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife, because there's so many different things that that could mean. So I feel like that's a good broad statement for it. Um, but I feel like whenever I'm hiking with people, the main person from home that gets brought up is usually the boyfriend or the girlfriend mm -hmm. or the husband or the wife and how they don't get it. Or, you know, they, the hikers always on the phone with them and they're never satisfied with the yeah. amount of communication. I, I saw that. I saw that on my through hike. Yep. I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. And so it just, you know, I feel like, especially being someone's boyfriend or girlfriend, I'll say, cause I'm not married, but if you're someone's boyfriend or girlfriend, which seems more realistic to me at this point, um, it's harder to understand when they're like, oh, I couldn't call you because I was busy. Like you start to think of it as them just not wanting to yeah. and like, oh, they just don't feel like it rather than, oh, what they're saying makes actual sense. And when a third party tells you, hey, this is why it's this way, it's easier to listen to that third party than it is to just trust the other person and what they're telling you. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of wanted to be able to reinforce, you know, different things and, address things that you know people have talked to me about on trail and in the interviews that would have made it easier for them um because i mean the trail will end relationships if you don't communicate well and if you have different expectations for each other and if your relationship isn't in a good spot before it mm -hmm. and the main fear stems from it ending so it's like how do we prevent this yeah um so i did a lot of i did a lot of interviewing for this section since i wanted to get perspectives and opinions and stories that would apply to people in this circumstance. And I also read a lot of books. So I read a book on silent agreements between people, a book on relationships, the five love languages, um, all types of different communication books, um, handling arguments books, and books on relationships to try to find pieces that would apply in hiking. And so it starts off with like a section on, you know, it's going to be okay. And it explains, you know, what they're doing and how it doesn't have to necessarily break the relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and then it goes into setting expectations before the trail and making sure that your relationship is in a good place and that you're on the same page and you don't have any silent agreements that are like, oh, well, they're going to call me every day because that's just what I expect them to do. Uh -huh. Like you're going to bring up, hey, I expect two calls a week and that person knows, okay. I'm going to be calling you twice a week and then addressing any worries or concerns you might have beforehand, you know, learning each other's love languages so you can understand ways to make them feel like they're still loved, even with the distance in a way that they receive love. Mm -hmm. um, and then it goes into, you know, how, how to grow with your hiker, you know, mainly how to be there for them and support them and how to make sure that you're doing things while you're at home that ensure that you're growing too. Because if your hiker's growing on the trail and you're remaining stagnant at home, you're not going to grow and they are and you're going to come back in different places. Mm -hmm. So to make sure that you're growing yourself too and not just waiting for your other half to get home. Um, and then it goes into, you know, when communication is lacking. So reasons that the communication might be lacking or why this might be happening, how to respond, how to request more if you need more, how to see it from their side. Um, there was a really good book that I read called We Need to Talk, How to Have Conversations That Matter. And that goes through like different tips on how to listen well or how to communicate how you're feeling 
without being aggressive or attacking um, and saying things in a way that are easily received from the other person. Mm-hmm. So just to help, like if you're frustrated about something, like how do you handle that argument? How do you bring it up in a way that the other person will be able to respond positively to Yeah. rather than defensively to? Mm-hmm. Um, so just all types of things like that that are more geared towards someone who's in a relationship than someone who's someone's parent or child. Right, right. Where they might not need that amount of detail. Right, right. Because it is a like extra unique like kind of situation there. Mm-hmm. Let me let me ask you this. Um, some people would say, and I don't think that most people like us would say this, but some people would say that leaving your significant other behind and going for a theory hike like that could be a selfish move. So I'm kind of curious to hear, and again, I I, I don't say that, I'm the, but some people definitely would. I'm curious yeah, to hear I wrote, your thoughts. I wrote that in a sentence. That, okay. Yeah, people so consider it selfish. So that's kind of where I was going there. I, I want to know your thoughts on that. And yeah, I was going to ask if you had addressed that in the book as well, which it yeah, sounds like you have. I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, to an extent it is selfish. And to an extent, the hiker needs to remain selfish in order to stay in the mindset that they need to be in to complete a through hike. Mm-hmm. And you need to be okay with that before your partner leaves. And you need to understand that. Otherwise, you're going to be on different expectations and you're not going to, you know, you're going to butt heads when they're on trail because you're going to be expecting something that they're not going to be able to give you just because of the nature of what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But then it goes into how, you know, something like that's a lot scarier for a relationship that's newer and has, you know, you've only been dating the person for a year than it is for the people I've talked to who have been dating for decades and have been married for 30 or 40 years because you think about the percent of time that the person's on trail, and if you're in a one-year relationship, they're going to be gone for what would have been half of the relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot scarier than us, you know, we're married for 40 years, you're gone for six months, yeah. like, have a good time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, for newer relationships, relationships like that, it's harder to express that, you know, in something that is going to have longevity and be around for the long haul, there's going to be gives and takes. Mm-hmm. It's not just going to be you know, he's off hiking 24-7, it's going to be, hey, this is the trip that I've been planning my whole life. I've always wanted to do this. I really want to take it. And you're going to have something, too, that you want to do at some point. And in a relationship that's built to last, there's going to be gives and takes where both people feel like they're able to pursue their dreams and goals when they can. Mm -hmm. And if you're thinking about it in a shorter term, it's going to be harder to get behind that. But if you're thinking about it in the long term, then it's like, okay, I'm going to have my turn, too, at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's such a good way to like look at it, I guess. And I, I was not in a relationship during my through hike. And so I can't relate to this personally. But like I said, a few minutes ago, I definitely saw people who worked, str- who were struggling with, with, you know, having their significant others understand this. And again, like it's reasonable. That's like reasonable. It's, it's not easy, obviously, but I'm glad that there's going to be a resource out there that's going to talk about that because, uh, it's it's important and it's it's really tough and and you had mentioned that having this stuff come from a third party is going to have a different impact as well um, versus coming from the person who's on the hike who has the like the interest of you know trying to convince their significant other that it's that it's all going to be okay so I I, I think well my screen just died for a second there oh. <laughs> I I, uh, I think that's just that's just so awesome. Chance, yeah. I gotta ask. So I I interviewed Darwin on the trail a few episodes ago, and we were talking about his like Arizona trail film project. Uh, and when I was like trying to come up with questions for that, I'm like, okay, he's producing this like whole film, this whole documentary. I was like, where do you even start with a project that big? Because that's way different than just you know making a top ten backpacks or whatever video. And and obviously writing a book is way different than doing a podcast or doing a trail vlog, something like that, writing an article. So I'm going to ask you the same question. Like, so once you actually had the idea itself, because obviously that that's going to come first, but once you finally have the idea, you've committed to the idea of writing this book, like what is step one? Like, what's the, the first thing you do? Do you just start writing? Like, I don't even know. Like, where do you start there? Um, no, I just, it's the same thing. Like I feel like with a long distance, like I just take, you know, it's a such a big idea when you look at it in the grand scheme. Uh, but if you break it down town by town or resupply by resupply, if you break it down into smaller pieces, then they become easier to manage. Um, so the first step for me was just 
okay, I want to write this. Um, what topics do I want to include? And then getting down a list of, I want all of this stuff to be in it, all of these topics. And then, okay, how do I categorize these in a way that makes sense? Mm -hmm. If these were all chapters, how would I categorize them? And that's how I got the different sections. And then some things don't, you know, they don't have enough content to be their own chapter, but maybe they pair well with another topic. And then, okay, these few topics pair well together. What would be a category that they would fall under if I were to group them on a whole? Um, and just kind of organizing each, kind of just organizing the table of contents, really, when you think about it. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. going through and saying, okay, in each one of these chapters, I want to touch on these things. And then once you have that skeleton and that grid, just diving into writing each part. And I mean, if I had a thought that was, oh, like this would be like a great sentence to include in this chapter, I had a notepad on my phone where I'd write down like thoughts or quotes or sentences that I thought I didn't want to forget, mm -hmm. uh, but there was nowhere to put them yet. So they were just in a notepad until they started applying to different sections and then they would go in those notes. So with all this planning and being so thorough, covering so much stuff here, was there anything that you might not have included from the start that you realized once you were already like in the writing process that you needed to kind of like get in there, I guess, if that makes sense? Yeah, I mean, that's the good thing about writing the, a book, though, is that you can no one knows what chapters mm -hmm. were the OG chapters, you right. know, <laughs> like no one knows which chapter I added at the last minute because I was like, oh, shoot, I should talk about this too but there's stuff that i didn't put in that i still think you know might have had a place like i had done all the research and laid out all the rough drafts for a chapter on health insurance mm -hmm. and the different types of health insurance a hiker could get how they go about getting the different kinds but there's a point where you have to remember the audience and for me it was trying to make sure i always remembered that i'm writing this for the people at home not for the hiker yeah i mean the yeah. hiker can read it too but the main thing that I wanted to accomplish with the book was that I didn't want to include all that extra detail that a guide to through hiking for a hiker would include. Right. And at one point you got to ask yourself, you know, yeah, they want to make sure their hiker has health insurance, but they don't need to know all the different options that the hiker has. They don't right. need to know how the hiker applies. Like it's just not something that they need to know on that type of level. Mm-hmm. You know, that definitely um, makes a lot of sense. I, honestly, like this is such a creative idea. It's like one of those things where I'm like, shit, why didn't I think of that? Like, that's why when I thought of that, I was yeah. like, I need to write this before someone else before someone else realizes. Yeah, I couldn't believe it because it's like it's such a, like an, an involved idea, but it's like so important. And I don't know, it, it like it's getting the gears turning in my head a little bit like, okay, what other ideas I got? Because I'm always looking for ideas for like videos and, mm -hmm. and different stuff. So Chance, I just think that's so awesome. And Thanks. being able to kind of hear it from you firsthand like this is like getting me even more pumped on this. And yeah. I, I, mean, I, like I said, my, my family was like super supportive right from the start, but I almost wish this existed before even just to, to give that extra bit of reassurance, you know? Yeah, and it's kind of nice. I mean, it's nice for me to look at the final product because it's just, it's got my name on the title, but there are so many people in the acknowledgements that went into making it because I'm not like a therapist or a doctor or an expert on certain things. So I would get to places like post-trail depression and I put down the book for a month when I got to post-trail depression because I just, I wrote the part and I reread it and I was like, who am I to tell people about this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, act like I have a degree in this when I don't. Like, how am I supposed to put this in something that's printed and have people read it and really take it seriously? Um, so there's a lot of sections that, you know, people that I know from the trail or people that I got in touch with who are in the hiking community have read over and contributed to the writing of it. Mm -hmm. So, like, post-trail depression, I had a past Appalachian Trail through hiker um, who's a therapist and has all kinds of letters after his name, read over the entire section and provide feedback and comments. Okay, and same okay. thing, common illnesses, I had three doctors look over it um, or physical therapists looked over common injuries, um, just different people that had the, they had the right to say, yeah. This is why this is this is why you should do these stretches. Right. This is what you should do to treat this thing. You know, who am I to tell so someone that? So of I course. wrote down, you know, what my research showed and then they read it over and gave 
their input and you know their seal of approval on it and really it just made it so much better and so it's nice to look at because it's just like the hiking community is where you know everyone's so helpful and everyone contributes and it's just nice to see it all come together yeah i am very excited for you i'm sure you're (laughs) you you must be freaking stoked like all this work that goes into it you know even all the way back to when you were still on trail like oh man like i'm i'm excited for you just like hearing all the stuff that's gone into this because i'll be honest you know uh, of course i i knew a little bit about it but it just hadn't really clicked in my head that it was going to be obviously i knew it was going to be fucking easy but that it was going to be like this involved and that there was going to be like a like it's just so like uh, specific and getting down into like the the nitty gritty details. So I think that's awesome. I think this is going to be like an invaluable resource for for hikers and their their families, loved ones. So I yeah, I'm I'm stoked. With that Thanks. said, uh, we're at the end of the episode here, Chance, and we need to do a story. So yes. my my regular listeners will know that I often forget to remind my guests to to prepare a story. I. And whenever I do, I always like to own up to it. And I didn't like completely forget this time, but I didn't give as much heads up as I, <laughs> as I like to, as I often forget to. So I apologize for that. But it sounds like you, uh, you do have something in mind. Also, for everybody listening, whenever I have someone on who is like a content creator or has a audience who, who, yeah, like you know, communicates with people and gets their stuff out there. I always like to challenge them to come up with a story that they haven't told before on any of their videos or podcasts, whatever. And sometimes it's hard. I understand that completely, but, um, I, I challenge, challenge chance. That's a, that's a mouthful <laughs> challenge. Chance. Ch- oh my God. <laughs> okay. Challenge. Challenge. That's a good tongue. Yeah, I know. Um, so anyways, I'm just going to end this ramble ramble here so yeah chance um did you did you have a chance to come up with a story that might might not have been told on on backpacker radio before i think so um so it it's funny because i literally weezer and ball flap are just hanging out in the living room right now so up (laughs) until i was starting to record this we were just sitting at the table and i was like guys we need to think of a story and (laughs) we could not think of anything that i probably haven't already told but then i I think it's kind of fitting because we were talking about hitchhiking for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm not sure that I've told it before, but this is just one of my funnier hitches. This was the one that I took alone. Um, I've since taken like three or four alone, but this was the first one I took alone. Okay. And we were leaving Damascus and it, we were just on different schedules leaving in the morning. And we had rearranged, we were going to double zero. We had rearranged it to do um a 17 mile stretch in between the two zeros just because of the way the rain was working we were trying to play the weather to our hand so it wasn't just us walking out of damascus when we ended the second zero it was us needing to hitch to that road 17 miles out that we had left off at um and so we were all in different schedules i didn't want to stress out so i was like i'll just meet you guys out there and (laughs) i went to the road to hitch got a ride a little way up it waited again I was waiting for so long and this guy stopped to pick me up um just total uh, he was missing <laughs> teeth I could not understand the words he was saying because of how heavy his accent was like his deep southern accent yeah. he was like eating this like bag of flame and hot trail mix that he kept <laughs> offering me and I was like I'm really okay like had complete you don't Cheeto want my fingers gross fucking hiker fingers the in car your food. was disgusting there was trash everywhere and he was like I can't believe a pretty young lady like you is just out hitchhiking by herself that blows my mind and I was like yeah like don't know what to tell you dude I gotta get to the trail <laughs> he's like I just can't believe it and like sentences that i could not understand (laughs) uh but just like bits and pieces of just like nothing malicious or scary or no bad vibes just this guy who was utterly shocked that he found me on some back road just like (laughs) happily thumb out not a care in the world and so as we're getting closer to where he's dropping me off he still can't wrap his head around it and he's like not even realizing what he's saying but he's just talking out loud about how crazy it is he's like i mean if you think about it there's not a cop within 15 miles of here. Anything can happen. And there's no police officer that's going to hear it. Like no one's going to know. Oh, geez. And I'm just like, I know, man, like 
we're almost there like watching the google maps on my phone right right um and he's like i can't believe you could scream and no one would hear you and i'm like i know Uh. (laughs) like holding my pepper spray in my pocket and this guy just meant no harm he was just shocked and he was like my friends will never believe this (laughs) and i was like i bet they won't and he was like they're never ever gonna believe me when i tell them this i'm gonna bet all if i bet each of my friends if i bet them each a dollar why i'd be rich I'd make so much money off of them. Oh, my God. And he'd be like, I'd have to be able to prove it, though. And I was like, I mean, like, you won't take my gas money. I could send you a postcard. And he was like, you should send me a postcard. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet all of my friends. And I was like, okay, make all your bets. And I, like, took down his address. And when I finished the hike, I had printed out um, postcards that had me on Katahdin on them that I sent to, like, different people that had helped throughout right. it. And I pulled out his address and I mailed him one and all it said on it was tell your friends to pay up. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was that was an interesting hitch. Did you hear back from him at all? No, I didn't give him any way to respond, but yeah. he, has no way, I, he has no way to communicate with me. Right. So it was just kind of one of those fun things where <laughs> I always wonder what it was like when he got which that is, postcard. Which I feel like is almost even more fun than like actually getting a response. So Yeah. That's and then awesome. part of me is like, does he even remember? <laughs> like maybe he <laughs> yeah, just right? He'll probably get He's probably like, like who is this? <laughs> so Must have gone to the wrong house. <laughs> so good. Well, Chance, I think we're going to kind of wrap it up here. This was, okay. this was so much fun again. Like just thank yeah, you so much for, for doing this. Me. Um, I do have one more question though, if that's okay. Yeah. So obviously you, you know, you're on Backpacker Radio with Zach Davis, the legend author of Appalachian Trials. And Zach has a pretty extensive hiking resume, I'll say, but I'm just wondering if I could get like some clarification on one thing. Did Zach hike the AT? Honestly, there is such a debate on that. I'm going to guess no. There's not really enough evidence for me to say that there could be any type of conclusive answer on that. I just, <laughs> I mean, I don't really see photos from it too often. It's just all stories. Yeah. I mean, I don't anyone know. can make up a story. It's true. So It's true. Yeah. Anyone can start a, a blog. So exactly. <laughs> Anyways, Chance, why don't you go ahead and plug your, uh, your website, your social media, all that stuff where people can go check out and pre-order the book and all that stuff. Yes. Um, so if you want to pre-order the book, you can get it on my website, www.julianachauncey.com slash shop if you want to skip over the homepage and go straight there. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at juliana underscore chauncey. Find me on YouTube at juliana chauncey. And you can find Backpacker Radio anywhere you could probably find this. Hell yeah. Thank you so much one more time. And thank you to everybody listening as well. That's going to do it. Have a good one.